Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everyone. Today, I want to share some thoughts on integrating human performance principles into your daily operations. A lot of people think of HP as some new safety program, but it's not a program. It's about thinking differently about safety. It's about taking the things you already do and shifting them to align with this new way of thinking. That's both the easy part and the hard part. The easy side is you don't have to add something new to what you already do. That would actually go against HP principles. What we don't want to do is add more layers of bureaucratic, complex safety rules. Instead, we want to take what we already do and align them with this new way of thinking. And that brings us to the hard part. We have to think differently. We have to review what we already do and make changes to revise our current processes so that they're more in line with this new way of thinking. And we have to make sure everyone doing these processes are trained and developed to not only understand the principles, but to actually do the work in our everyday operations. So first, we have to make sure our leaders are trained and developed. From there, we review all of our policies, procedures, the things we do to manage safety, and revise them to be in line with HP. For the rest of this podcast, I want to give you specific examples of realigning your current processes with these principles in mind. I've talked a lot about moving away from the traditional accident investigation and moving toward event learning sessions instead. But we take those same principles and we apply them to all the safety things we do. The JSAs, the PTPs, the inspections, the pre-con meetings, the safety talks, writing policies and procedures, all that safety stuff we do. At its core, HP is about focusing on the systems, the environments we place people in that lead to the behaviors we see. We should put the majority of our focus there. I can't help but think about cognitive behavioral therapy when I talk about this because the concepts are the same. Circumstances motivate people to think and feel a certain way. Their behaviors are directly related to the circumstances they are faced with. And HP is the same thing. Behavior is a direct result of the environment and systems our workers are placed within. With all the safety things we do, we need to over-focus on the circumstances that influence behaviors. All of this can be a bit overwhelming, so a good place to start is with high-risk work, SIFs, stickies, People use different terms for this, stuff that can kill you or stickies, work with serious injury or fatality potential, SIFs or PSIFs. If you are feeling a bit overwhelmed, start there. Start with the stuff that could kill someone. But really, we should be thinking about HP and all the safety things we do. The reason for this is that humans are notoriously bad at predicting risk. 
This is one of those both are true concepts. On one hand, humans can predict that trenching work, confined space operations, fall exposures, energized electrical, all of those things can lead to death. But at the same time, things happen on job sites that lead to serious injury that surprise people. They never saw it coming. That is also true. And there's the that-would-never-happen-to-me type of thinking. People become numb to high-risk exposures the more they do them. There's the both-are-true concept at play. So start with what you think are high-risk exposures if you are feeling overwhelmed. But also recognize all of us humans aren't the greatest at perceiving risk. So we should eventually get to the point where we think in HP ways with everything we do. All right, let's get into the details. Let's start with pre-planning. You could apply this to estimating, pre-con meetings, regular foreman meetings, all that pre-planning stuff we do. During those conversations, we should be talking about HP principles. Specific questions we should ask during those conversations could be, how will staffing make air more likely? How will the size of the crew influence people to take shortcuts or skip steps? What about the schedule? Does our schedule make fatigue more likely to occur? What time of day will high-risk activities take place? Are we scheduling high-risk activities to take place the second hour after lunch? If so, somebody's going to screw up. No matter how hard someone's work ethic is, the sun regulates our sleep schedule and it influences fatigue. You know, some countries take naps or siestas after lunch, but in America we don't. But that doesn't change how the human brain works. Our bodies and brains want to take a nap after lunch, even if the work schedule doesn't allow it. If we keep that concept in mind, we wouldn't schedule a high-risk activity at 2 p.m. Now, I realize there's always a, but we got to get this crap done attitude in construction. HP is about changing the system where you can and implementing defenses when you can't. So in a pre-planning conversation, this is how that discussion would go. Can we reschedule the high-risk activity for in the morning when people are fresh? If the answer is a hard no, then what can we do to minimize the potential for error? or defend it against it when it does happen. For example, maybe you can have two confined space attendants for a second set of eyes, maybe two spotters instead of one. Can we have another human verify something is locked out before we proceed with work on a panel? This could be a good or a bad idea, depending on the circumstances, as it could add a layer of complexity. But are we at least talking those things through? Are we having those types of conversations? Always start with, can we change the system, i.e. reschedule the work? If not, can we add a layer of defense to an anticipated error-likely situation? You know, budgets are also something to consider in pre-planning. Are we budgeting for wood guardrails or some prefabricated guardrails? If we construct guardrails on a site there's a potential for them to not be constructed correctly. They can be taken down when in the way and may not be reinstalled properly. 
These are errors that we would anticipate with constructing our own guardrails versus budgeting for prefabricated guardrails that would be installed and reinstalled quicker with less chance for error. Yeah, but those prefabricated guardrails cost so much more. That's one of the most common resistance statements you will hear when talking about what we budget for. The better safety system costs more money. But does it? Does it really cost more? And what do you get for your investment? Humans by nature tend to look at things first from the surface level. We often have to guide and influence people to go below the surface. In this example, we should always be asking, what is the return on investment for the better safety system? If we invest in prefabricated guardrails, what do we gain from a financial perspective? What is the true labor cost of installing a wood or a wire rope guardrail versus a prefabricated guardrail? Do we even know? How much stuff do we waste? What is the cost of the roll-off dumpster for the wood we threw away? How much time did we spend inspecting the job-made guardrails and having them corrected? What is the true cost of all that work? I think every time we talk about investing in a safer system, we are going to face resistance on the initial sticker shock. But if we don't have a deeper return on investment conversation with some real numbers, we don't really know if it's more expensive. We need to take the time to really know the true cost. There's a saying that has guided me with purchasing in my personal life, cry now or cry later. I first learned this concept with musical instrument purchases. I could buy a cheap guitar amplifier made with circuit boards. The initial investment wasn't as much, but I learned later and cried later when that cheap amplifier stopped working. I'd find the circuit board was custom made and there was no replacement available. And then it went in the dumpster. If I cried now and bought the more expensive American-made guitar amplifier with point-to-point wiring and no circuit boards, any repair needed down the road could be easily rectified. I cried initially at the extra cost, but I purchased something that could be maintained for my entire lifetime. You can apply the same concept to furniture. I've purchased cheap rooms-to-go furniture made of particle board, and it ended up in a dumpster. I've purchased more expensive furniture made of real oak that will last a lifetime and more. I can give that real wood furniture to my kids one day if they ever move out of the house. That same can be said about better safety systems. What do you get for your investment? Something you will use once and have to constantly maintain and deal with? Or something that lasts several jobs? Cry now or cry later. Pre-work briefings are another thing to align with HP. Although it is good to remind people of rules we need to follow in the work, we should also be asking some specific HP questions. If an accident occurred today, where would it happen and what would cause it? Where is it easy to make a mistake? Where is someone most likely to take a shortcut? Do you have the right tools and equipment you need? 
What obstacles are you facing with this task? This can bring to the surface unexpected errors. We should also be conducting post-work briefings, especially for high-risk activities. This can help us get better at predicting error-likely situations the next time we do the job and plan better. Ask what happened or worked the way you thought it would. What surprised you? What hazards did we identify and what did we miss? Where did we have to make do or improvise? These questions are in line with HP thinking. Training is another safety system. This should be in line with HP principles. We're required to do two hours on safety management in a 30-hour. What is being taught during those two hours? HP is all about safety management. Are we teaching those concepts in a 30-hour? There are also four hours of optional topics in a 30-hour. Are we teaching HP concepts in those long courses? I hope so. I hope it's required that we do it. And the same thing with toolbox talks. I think a lot of people would feel refreshed to hear something other than another toolbox talk on ladder safety and three points of contact. Do we develop and teach human performance concepts in regular toolbox talks and job-wide safety meetings? We should. Even if you know some supervisors are just reading a toolbox talk to their crew, give them something else to read. Yes, covering rules is good as a refresher, but do we supply regular toolbox talks with HP concepts? Because we should. JSAs, PTPs, AHAs, whatever acronym you use, should also be in line with HP. As a basic example, use five categories instead of three. The typical JSA has three columns. What are the steps in the task? What are the hazards? What are the controls? Add two more columns. Add one for air traps. This could be fatigue, distraction, overconfidence. Add another for performance mode. This could be skill-based, knowledge-based, rule-based. The goal is to get our workers and supervisors thinking and talking the HP vocabulary. What brain mode will someone be in when they do this task? Will they be in a limbic brain skill-based mode where error is less likely? Or will they be using their prefrontal in a knowledge-based mode where error is more likely? Now, obviously, we have to train our supervisors first to understand these concepts. But where we are going is to normalize the conversations that happen every day out on the job site. And think about that data that you would have access to. If you revise your JSA process, now we can review the brain mode people are in for specific tasks that they do every day. This can lead to better planning in the future. The classic safety inspection is another thing we could revise to be more in line with HP. In the past, job site inspections were solely based on looking for hazards. But we could revise the safety thing that everyone does to be more in line with HP. And I'm not just talking about job-wide inspections. I'm also talking about scaffold inspections, trenching inspections, all those inspection forms that we use day to day. When we perform those inspections, we should be looking for factors that increase the likelihood of error, 
and the underlying systems that created the hazard that we see? Did they have the proper tools or equipment available? Why not? Was it their first time performing the task? Was it an infrequent task? What brain mode were they in? Did poor communication or supervision influence the hazard or risky behavior? What was the workload or the time pressure? How fatigued were they? How complex or rigid was the rule they were supposed to obey? A lot of those safety inspection forms have a place to write down the corrective measure. What are we writing in that space? If there was a missing guardrail and all we did was write down reinstalled guardrail, then we're just putting out fires. We should be documenting how we ended up with a missing guardrail in the first place. What about our system allowed this hazard to exist? And what are we doing to change that system? Safety procedures are another thing we could make more in line with HP. There are two concepts we should be thinking about with safety procedures. Freedom within a frame and simplicity. So first is freedom within a frame. How rigid is the procedure? Do the workers have options for compliance? Because workers need options in a complex, dynamic construction environment. If the procedure only has one supposedly safe method of compliance, it's never going to work in every dynamic construction scenario. What options do they have for compliance? Another one is simplicity. Some safety procedures are just a bunch of words. Pictures work better. Adults learn so much more through visuals. Does your hydraulic shoring safety procedure just have a list of words to obey? Or does it have diagrams with proper distances between the shores? Does your sloping procedure just say one and a half to one? Or does it show a picture of a properly sloped excavation? We should review our safety procedures to ensure there are a ton of visuals included. The recipe book is a perfect example of how to do this. Some recipes are filled with diagrams of how to properly place cookie dough balls apart. It sounds a little childlike, but that's how adults learn. So much learning comes from visuals. Whether it's rigging hitches, wire rope U-bolt installation, scaffold component installation, whatever it is, Try to include as many pictures, diagrams, and visuals as possible. Less words, more pictures. That's how adults learn the best. Show me a picture. So I hope this gives you some ideas on how to revisit the safety things you are already doing to realign them with human performance principles. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about adding some complex extra layers of safety stuff. It's about revising the things you are already doing to be in line with this new style of thinking. We definitely don't want our workers to be overloaded with more safety stuff. We just want them to think differently about what they already do. HP is not an add to. It's a realignment. So go look at the things you already do and think about 
if they are in line or not. Think about how they could be revised to include these concepts. Start with one thing. Maybe it's toolbox talks. Maybe it's the JSA. Just pick something to start with and realign it. Then pick something else, and you are now on the path to becoming a human performance learning culture. Hope you all have a beautiful realigning week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.